Good evening or morning or midday, whatever time you find yourself uh, watching this. And uh, welcome from South Canyon Lutheran Church to episode three of Acts, the founding and future of the church. You know, Pastor Eric, I legitimately miss our theme song. <laughs> it was a nice, it was a nice way to get started with a little groovy theme song. I'm just going to say, I'm saying all about bearing burdens together, but I'm not musical. So if we are going to ha ever have a theme song, it's left up to you. Actually, I have decided we are now going to open up the theme song competition. Um, so we'll be uh, receiving submissions if anyone wants to write in Good. a theme song for uh, for acts. Uh, nice. You can send those into the church, and uh, you know we'll pick one. And one at the beginning. Nice. As yeah. the Holy Spirit inspires. As the Holy Spirit inspires us, that is what we're so, talking about. Book of Acts. Acts. We we ended last week with. Uh, chapter 2, we had just started, we read the story of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes, the tongues of fire come, and we have this um, multinational, this diverse, whatever group yeah. of people, it's from all over intended to represent the world, yeah. who uh, witness and experience the Holy Spirit coming down and they get to hear of God, God's deeds of power. Right. And then we moved into um, really ending with these people having this experience. Then they're going, what does this mean? Yeah. And they're trying to make sense of it, and they don't actually know. Yeah. So that's where we ended last week. What does this mean with that question? We're going to move further into that, but uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's go. Would you pray for us? Yeah. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for your presence in the Word, and especially the book of Acts, as we uh, listen to you here today. Uh, bless everyone that's a part of this conversation that's, that's listening, and inspire them by your Word. Give us vision for the future of the, the church, and uh, bless us in our, our days, wherever we may be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope... If you listened last week that you had some time to ponder what does this mean and think about it. So as we move on, we're going to, uh, they ask this question, Peter's going to address the crowd. And I'm just going to read that section and we'll stop and, and talk a little bit and move on then to the, the spot. So chapter 2 verse 14 is where you're at in your Bibles. If follow along as you're able, that would be great. Uh, verse 14. But Peter standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these people are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right, we'll stop there. We'll turn it over to you. What do you What do you make of that? What do you get? Well, I, I think the thing that just sticks out to me, and it's building from the first part of the story, but of this whole Pentecost move of the Spirit being poured out, is the universal nature yeah. uh, of it. You know that we we get from the very beginning. If you jump back to verse five, now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven. 
um, these are the people coming for the feast, and so they're they're Jews, but they're really coming from countries all Everywhere, over the place. Yeah. Um, and so there's a universal peace there. Um, we're told from the beginning uh, that Jesus says that it's going to spread throughout all the nations. In uh, verse, uh, starting in verse nine, we're getting what really is sort of a list of the table of the nations. It's not meant to be an exclusive like these were the nations that were present. It's like, these are the known nations yeah. at the time that Luke is writing, which is to suggest that it's again, a universal experience. And then Peter's quoting Joel and saying, in the last days it will be that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You know, And so there's this universal nature and when we understand that the spirit as a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit given, it really points towards the generosity of, of God um, that, God is is lavishly pouring out the spirits yeah. upon all people almost indiscriminately. You know, it's it's offered to whoever's ready to to receive this yeah. gift. And I, I just I'm always struck by that and it's always a reminder to me because as human beings I think that we're so prone to to discriminate and to operate from a mindset of scarcity where when we have to choose who we're going to be generous with and and that's just not the way that God operates and it's not the way that the spirit is distributed and it's something that we see are going to see time and time again throughout the book of Acts where the outpouring of the spirit pays no minds to the boundaries of, yeah, of right. nation or, or race or anything else that we may may have sure. the spirit's going to do its own thing with God's abundance and generosity and so and if it's always abundant and always lavished and always uh, radical I read this and I see, like, uh, the Spirit's going to be poured out upon all flesh, sons, daughters, young, old, male, female, slaves, everybody. And if that was radical for this time, and that's the nature for every time and place for the Spirit to be radical, what what would be radical What does right that mean now? for us today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what I is... I think we stop, you know, like, right. oh, well, the women, women are pastors now, great. Or... Whatever. Right, so, you know, if what we keep following that like? that line of yeah. you know the spirit just gathering everyone in um, in a radical way, always. Mm -hmm. what is it, how does that work? Right, that's the nature. Radical generosity. How does that always get pushed more and more and more? And I think that's the profound thing about the spirit is every place and time and generation and group of people have to figure out what's their dream, what's their vision of God's radical generosity, what what's the spirit doing new all the time. And I think that's always shocking. Yeah. It's almost like if we're not shocked by it, we didn't get it. Right, <laughs> right, because it's not a static thing at all. It's Ever. constantly yeah. moving. I mean, and yeah, that, that visions and, and dreams piece, the prophecies piece, all, all part of of Joel there, um, I, yeah, I think that that's again our whole point in studying Acts is founding, but also the future of the church. Where are we going um, from here? And I think that that all really speaks to that prophecy, vision, dream, yeah. and even that. The answer is always Jesus in some sense, except it's always in active, dynamic Holy Spirit outpoured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord should be saved. Everyone. So that means that the radical grace in any given time is leading people to call on Jesus' name, but it can be in a different way. Right. I, I think. Right. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's all coming back it's around. I mean, Jesus. and that's ultimately if we look at 
what they're saying in all of these different languages, um, they're they're talking about the works of God. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's all pointing back towards that's what the Spirit is is doing. The Spirit is using these people to speak to all of the nations about Jesus. Yeah. Like there's a there's a content um, there. It's it's speaking poured out lavishly generously abundantly on all of the people but with a purpose and yeah. that purpose is ultimately to point back towards jesus. to jesus and that's actually what peter does then. yeah everyone who calls on the name of the lord shall be saved and then peter tells the story of jesus right yeah peter's got this big long speech uh that takes up most of chapter two um it starts with sort of this explanation and you get the first part where he's sort of explaining people are asking what does this mean in terms of the Pentecost, the Spirit being poured out, and that's the part that we read. And then he sort of pivots, and the first section ends, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's quoting uh, quoting Joel, Joel there. Right. Yep. But that, then the second part is where, where Peter makes the the turn, and he's saying in a way that, I, that Joel certainly would have not had Jesus in mind in the Old Testament. Right. But Peter's saying the Lord that Joel's referring to is in fact Jesus. Yes, yeah, and that's... As a reader and a participant today, just hold that up and remember that when when the Old Testament and when Jesus and the disciples are using the word prophecy, yeah, it's much more flexible and plastic than we tend it's to. It's not foretelling it. the future. Yeah, you know, right. It's not foretelling. It's the future. not crystal ball stuff right. there. Yeah, yeah, it's not. No, at all. I wish actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's not though, and so when. When he says, then everyone who calls, prophecy is more like, it, it was the prophet's job, one of their main jobs was to call people back to God. Yeah. And so if you use that here as a way of understanding that, then everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved in verse 21. Peter then prophesies essentially and calls these people back to the real one true God who he says is Jesus. Yeah. And he tells the story of Jesus. You handed him over. You crucified him. He had power. He had. You knew this. You crucified him. Right. And that's this whole chunk of 22 through um, 36. Is there anything else we need to talk about in 14? Uh, in 14, what, that first section that, there. That first chunk. Um. So what does this mean? I mean, I, we could clearly go in, but uh, we're, we're going to try and get through all of chapter two today. So I yeah. think that maybe we should keep going. Yeah, I think. Um, I guess I would just mention that and I think as a pastor when I engage people often we get tripped up in biblical understanding when we see things like verse 20 the yeah, sun the shall sun be turned to turn, darkness yeah. or the moon to blood and yeah. blah 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 uh -huh. that, that's like saying it's going to be awesome but hard to it's going to be scary yeah. but it's going to change the world that's going to reorient life itself mm -hmm. I mean that was that was apocalyptic language that was um, end of time end of world kind of language yeah but it wasn't necessarily meant to be the moon's literally going to be red and you're going to know it was meant to say the way you experience even the cycles of life and the sun and the moon rising is going to be just radically different and it's going to be an, an incredible experience. Yeah, I mean, the God's that's, presence, that's God's new thing is being marked by all of creation. Yeah. Similar to the way, like, that you get this rushing wind and, yep. and fire that's 
theophany. Yeah. Is theophany is just God being being present and showing himself in that type of way. And that's what marks the Pentecost experience, yes, yeah. you know, that accompanies this speaking of, of tongues. So yeah, the whole natural order created thing testifying to, to God's God. presence and the new thing that God is doing. Yeah. Yes. I just want to raise that up for you as listeners that don't get tripped up by that. Raise that up as everything in creation participates in this experience. Um, so, so let's go on. So Peter tells the story. I'm at verse 22. We're not going to read all of this. He tells the story of Jesus. And he tells the story of Jesus. And the thing that I want to raise up about this is, uh, um, one, it's you have this clear focus or relationality, relationship between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, what we call Trinity working there. Yeah. And we also have a clear relationship there between um, the people and God's work. Mm-hmm. Peter makes it personal right away. Yeah, absolutely. From the very beginning. From the very beginning. Like I'll, I'll just read verse 22. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, so God's a part of it, with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you. As you yourselves know, this man handed over to you, you crucified. I mean, he... You. Yeah, I mean, it's I would personal. say it's it's yeah, it is personal. It's not just well, this happened and this happened no. and this happened. It's not as simple as simply telling the story. It's pointing out that you had a role in this story, and I think the the point is not well, shame on you. Right. right. It's you are part of this story, and you can continue to be part yes. of this story. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 reeling them into this and say this this isn't just something um, that abstract that that happened. You know, this is something that you are a part of. Yeah, yeah. And, and likewise, you're a part of. We're a part of. Look at verse 36. Jesus tells the story. Or, I mean, Peter tells the story. And then verse 36. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom he crucified. So I would just offer before I read the rest that that's an invitation. Mm-hmm. to hear the story of Jesus and to hear that they have a part in the story of Jesus and step into it and see what it what happens. Mm-hmm. And then we see what happens to them. Right, right. So so that's an invitation. So go to verse 37. Do you want to say anything about that? Well, I'm, I'm just thinking here about that that invitation you know, piece and what that it Therefore, you know, means for us to sort of step into that. It's because here, you know, Peter's telling the, the story um, of, of these people that, you know, they, they lived alongside Jesus. So when he says that God attested to you through these miracles, yeah. you know, well, they were there. You know, they, they did see it in a, yeah, in a they, physical way. I mean, and, you know, thus when, when Peter says, okay, and so you're responsible for this, you know, they, there is a level of complicity there. But I'm wondering what does that mean for us today, 2,000 years ago? I didn't witness Jesus, you know, the, you know, doing miracles and I wasn't just sort of standing by or you know shouting crucify him crucify him when Jesus was killed so what does it mean for me then to like step into to this Hmm. story it's a good question um I I mean and just thinking on my you know feet here like it does seem to me that there's this theological piece that we talk about in the way of Jesus dying for for our sins right? right and so Maybe not in the historical way uh, that you know we're getting in this story, but if we are saying that God, Jesus died for our sins and had to, then in some way, you know, we have to equate Jesus dying to 
because of our, our sins. Right. Um, that Jesus needed to die for the forgiveness of, of our sins. I mean, in, in that sense that we can step in into the role of, of these people that are hearing and ultimately are cut to the heart right. um, by, by this, this message and um, you know, take a certain amount of responsibility with, again, the understanding that it's an invitation to acknowledge and confess our sin, but it's also going to be this invitation to, to move forward. Yeah. Um, which is really where we're going here. You know, what do we right, do with that? Right. And so I think maybe that's, that's what I have to have. So maybe that, that's yeah. our cue to move forward and, you know, look at their response. Yeah. And I, I think, and, and we can, I even, hes- I even hesitate to create to, uh, to try to create too much of an intellectual answer to those questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we taught, we use the word theology and theology a lot, how we understand God. Yeah. And, and that sometimes I feel like that makes us exist in this intellectual place and make it all about head knowledge sure. when what we're going to see them do is nothing to do with head knowledge right. at all. Right. They respond in this way. And I invite you to hear that now as you watch their response, it, it becomes, uh, again, a radical reorientation of their life. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with a, with a, with a head knowledge, but with actions and let's just listen. Verse thirty-seven. Um, actually, I'll start at thirty-six. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him, both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom he crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common, they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You know, every time I, I've studied Acts numerous times, mm-hmm. I've led public studies through Acts numerous times, and every time I read it, I come across something new. Some like, yeah, like little tidbits, because it's it's like we said in the beginning, it's history and it's narrative, and it's a, a lot of just recounting of this happened and then this happened and then they did this, but but within it all the time, I find these these new things. Like so, so what was the, what, the what new I thing just, here? What I ran into today as I was reading was in um, verse forty-four. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And then verse forty-five, they would sell their possessions and good goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. 
and it just suddenly made me realize that my my the way the story plays out in my head if I don't read it specifically is oh we believe in Jesus now let's sell everything mm -hmm. and have nothing and, and then here we are yeah we need some money here and as I read it today, it didn't seem like it played out that way. It seemed like it played out more like, oh, here we are. We're together now. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, you need something? Yeah. I guess I got some resources I could give to that. And so they sold them, and here's here. Take, right. Take, and, and it was, I don't know, I just experienced it different. Yeah. It was I, more It was more practical um, and, um, oh, what's the word? Just relative to the needs at the time. Yeah, driven by the need. I mean, I think that you do get, you know, you have stories, you know, the gospel, like the rich young man that Jesus says, go, yeah. sell everything right now. I mean, and so you get that in, in the gospels and, you know, and so I think, you know, it's natural to sort of make that, that leap and assume that it, you know, happened that way. And maybe it did. Right, right. Maybe it did. Um, but yeah, I, I think you can also read it like that and say, really, it was driven by, by need. Um, that they recognized and they were really unhindered and you know un unafraid of a maybe even self-sacrificing give sell everything type of generosity yeah. in response to that need um, like they understood that the need of their neighbor was more important than anything that yeah. they possessed right right yeah I just experienced it different I guess if you read in your footnotes um, it says Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. There's a, there's an alternative translation. They broke bread from house to house. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh. So you mean they didn't all sell their homes and live in the temple or live in one person's house? It was like, I mean, what would it feel like to have... 20 houses that you could call your own and if you lost yours you'd go to theirs if you needed food you'd eat at his house and then you and just how how different that would make your life yeah you, you <laughs> just move freely from yeah. from one to the other and it would be natural i mean it, there's there's clearly not the the same concept of of private ownership me and mine yeah. um, that we tend to function with how far exactly that goes maybe isn't as clear as um, you know, sometimes we no. think about it, but it's it's clearly, you know, there's a, a level of community and sharing um, within this yeah. community that, that that is pretty radical. Right. Uh, it's it's pretty radical. Yeah. So go, we, we start back at verse 37. When, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, "What should we do?" And then Peter tells them what they should do. Right. They do it, and, and so so what, what do you so, make out of? I this? mean, it, so the first thing that Peter gives them. I mean, it, this is this is the theological language yeah. that, that he throws out there. I mean, there's there's a formula here of sorts. Repent and be baptized. This is verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right. Repent, baptize. Forgiveness, right, right? Gift of the Holy Spirit. We talk about that stuff all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. Great, great. It's the same, we got it. We yeah, it. I mean, you, you'll, we still talk about that stuff all the time in, in church, whether you know it's in our, our liturgies or our sermons or, or whatever. Um, and so that's there, and obviously it's important enough. There's a reason right. we keep talking about it, but um, it's it's interesting to me the connection between what this looked like these concepts of repentance and baptism and forgiveness and holy spirit the fruits as it were okay. that we then see in this radical living that we were just sort of talking about yeah. and what it did 
um, and looked like on a, just a very functional, practical, economic, like, social level. You know, what it really looks like to repent, um, you know, was a far more, you know, radical thing. And it wasn't just, oh, I'm sorry for this individual thing that I did, you know, for my personal sins. It was like, I'm going to live completely different in relation to the world and my neighbors. Yeah. That's been, that concept's been wrecked for me with modern parenting. Okay. I mean, you, you do something wrong and say you're sorry. And essentially, it's say you're sorry and promise to never do it again. Mm-hmm. That's not biblical repentance. No. Biblical repentance is not only say you're sorry, but be sorry, never do it again, and repair it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually act in the completely opposite direction. So right. whatever you did that was wrong is undone by your mm -hmm. actions in the future. I yeah. Mean, I mean, and it's it's just different. Yeah. It's not just saying you're sorry. It's right. always about a reorientation of how you live. Yeah. Because it's pretty easy to... Not easy, but to do something wrong, say sorry, not do it again, mm -hmm. but still want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry I hurt you. I'll never do it again because I'll get in trouble, but I'd still like to. Yeah. <laughs> or however, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I, I think the other repentance piece is that, you know, it's more than, than personal. It seems to me that there is a repentance not just of sort of whatever well, individual sure. sins, but they're repenting of social structures that maybe they're recognizing as being being harmful um and they're turning you know from from systems because i mean like particularly the roman economy was a really hierarchical one that left a lot of people the vast vast majority of people down hurt on the bottom i mean in there were there were tears but most everyone was sort of poor and constantly yeah. trying to exploit and you know hurt others i mean in they're repenting of that system in a way and creating something new um, where they are mutually supporting one another. Yeah. You're right. And, and that's more than an individual repentance of something personal. It's, it's a communal repentance of a communal issue. Yeah, I have to admit whenever I hear that, and I've, it happens every time I read this, uh -huh. I, I react against it because it feels too specific to my own time. Mm. And I have to go, uh, well, am I just making that up? And I always answer, no, I'm not. No. <laughs> Everything yeah. that someone had in the Roman world meant if you had something, someone else didn't. Mm -hmm. And that was okay. Yeah. And I think the way they reorient their lives, say, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. They held everything in common. Mm -hmm. What I had meant that you got to have it too. Yeah. Ugh, I mean, that's, that's just a hard, that's a hard thing to step into with my social upbringing yeah and that I react I feel myself reacting against it maybe you do too and then I always go is that am I just making that up but I'm like no not really there's a way in which the <laughs> Roman system is hits a little too close to yeah kind of yeah totally completely for and, me for me yeah and I always got to double check how I make sure I don't write the story off and say well that was then this is now it's different right it's actually kind of similar yeah it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a little too similar to be comfortable um, I, I, I guess uh, but yeah I mean the, the repentance here is is dramatic I mean what else do you see repent baptism forgiveness Holy Spirit those are the concepts that we talk about, the theological yeah. ideas. Like, I mean, how else do you see those ideas translating and present in the way that they're actually lived out as we see it in these verses at the beginning of the church, in the book of Acts? 
you know, like what does baptism look like for these people or, or forgiveness of the Holy Spirit? It definitely doesn't look like just um, symbolic actions. It, it, there's real relationship there. And I have to connect it to, I guess, I, I know you did a little more uh, word study on this piece of the text than I did, at least to be able to talk about verse um, 40. Yeah, I think it's relevant. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know you're, and he, look at verse 40 um, yeah. as I answer Pastor Eric's question a little bit. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Now, as you explained it to me, that's not actually what the Greek text says. Right? Yeah, the, the Greek text for save yourself is, it's the aorist form, which suggests it's not an act of saving yourself, which okay. certainly we would say theologically from a Lutheran perspective, you can't save yourself. Right. None of us can save ourselves. And the Greek there would really be more suggestive of let yourselves be saved than save yourselves. Okay. So the save yourselves translation, I mean, save yourselves from this corrupt generation the response would be, okay, I shall decide to be baptized and do these things, and then I shall be saved. Mm -hmm. and, and yet, let yourselves be saved is almost like, okay, you can live this way or this way. Mm -hmm. If you begin to live in this way, you, you will be moving away from the corruptness of the world and into this other thing. Yeah. But it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> The lawnmower next door just started up. <laughs> we'll hope that you can keep hearing so us. Maybe you can hear. Somebody is saving their lawn from ugliness. <laughs> no, I just, and I don't know, maybe that's, I don't think that's too nuanced of an understanding either. I mean, let yourselves be saved. They were baptized. They repented. They started to live in this mm -hmm. new way. Yeah, I, I think that all of these, these, these ideas are, are connected. Yeah. I mean, and like repentance, I mean, I don't think that they're parsed out. You know, this is all sort of part of the response that I would say repentance is marked by these actions, but it's also, it's it's present in baptism and the gift of the Holy Spirit is given through baptism. And I would say we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live in this alternative way. Yeah. You know, they didn't just manage to, you know, go about living this way just of their own volition. I, I mean, right, I, right. I, I think that it suggested the Holy Spirit is guiding them in process. And, you know, I also think, you know, they continue to be human. So the forgiveness piece, it, it paints a really rosy picture yeah, here right. in these verses. But we know from, you know, the rest of the book of Acts and just from human nature that if this was ever actually as rosy as it looks, it didn't last very long. Right. My suspicion is that it never was quite yeah. you know as as beautiful a picture as as that and so that forgiveness piece was a forgiven of my sins going back to the cut to the heart thing but also an ongoing practice empowered by the holy spirit within this community yeah we'll end here in just a minute since the lawnmower is going and it's maybe time anyway but yeah. what strikes me about luke's message here in acts is this part of the story as the as the Pentecost experience and response is kind of, kind of coalescing and ending for the for the story and then they go on is is that the people are praising God and they were having the goodwill of all the people and the reason they were having the goodwill of all the people is the people were looking in from the outside mm -hmm. and seeing 
that these people lived in a different way than the world. Yeah. And you have to kind of wonder as Christians in this day and age, I was trained in a way of like to think about evangelism. I'm not talking at seminary just through my life that I'm somehow supposed to invite people to church and convince them to believe in Jesus. Somehow. Yeah. That's not how it was working here. Right. The, the people were responding to Jesus uh -huh. based on what they saw in the changed lives of people. Mm -hmm. They were experiencing Jesus. Yeah. And I think the text is pretty clear about that. That, that the people on the outside responded with goodwill to God's church based on witnessing a changed life. Yeah. Yeah. And it was actually, you were talking about little nuggets that yeah. stuck out to you. It was actually that goodwill of all the people thing that really? stuck okay. out to me. This time for exactly that, that reason. It was like, it seems to me that when we're doing this right, I mean, there's plenty of biblical texts elsewhere that are going to, that suggest a tension between, you know, the church and the world. Yeah. Like, that there is particularly, you start repenting and moving away from some of the, the social systems that we're talking about when we were talking about repentance, and that's gonna push some people the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Like, so there's definitely a tension there. Um, but there's also a way in which the church should be functioning such that people look at us and say, whatever well, I may believe about <laughs> Jesus, I may think that these people's beliefs are, you know, a little out there, but something's going on. Yeah. You know, and I have a, I have a respect for how they're living their lives. Yeah. And it's certainly distinct. Like, I think at the very least that that's, you know, that's going on here. And um, I wonder... And I'm not sure that people look at the church most of the time that way. Right. Nice. It's a good place to end, I think. Yeah. What does this mean? And we witness a radically different way of living from the world that people noticed. And we're curious about. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay. All right. Well, one more going. Should one we wrap it up? Guy, let's pray. pray. And, uh, <laughs> Lord, I want to thank you that we can have this conversation in the midst of our neighbors around us at South Canyon, someone's mowing their lawn, cars drive by, that we can even just be a, a visual presence as we read our Bibles out here on the lawn and talk, that people would see us and wonder what in the heck we're doing. Um, so bless our neighbors today. Um, may they see our uh, actions at, as uh, Christian people, um, all of you uh, in church included in that, and, and realize that there's something different about us that uh, is attractive to them and that they want to know more about. And through that, Lord, that they would see you and know your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll be back at it again next week. Waiting so. for your theme song. So Waiting for your, yes. Send in your theme song submissions. We'd love to incorporate that. And uh, I guess we can say again, if you want to come by, we're recording at 5 o'clock. So yep. you can be part of the live studio audience. All genres of music are open to the, uh, the things. Yeah, so heavy no, metal, we're not restricted. Heavy, metal, heavy metal, metal, beatbox, whatever. Yeah, Pentecost submissions, whatever language you speak. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs>